I'm Dr. Octopus, the eight-legged menace Hatching another plan to make Spider-Man perish Am I relish being a big crime lord? Half-man, half-robot, a proper cyborg I get the mic cord and tie it to the speakers Whip off your face mask, hey, that's Peter Parker, I'm darker than the sky at night And you look like a rabbit trap right between my headlights Spider with the mind of a black widow, blue and red. I'll leave a horse head on your pillow. I'll come through the window with my ninja kick, pick you up, throw you down, drown you with a hundred kicks, stick you to the floor. With my spider's web, dead or alive, your life's hanging by a friend. I'll drive you to death cause I'm the best rapper, and I'll chop you up and serve you on a seafood platter. Episode 206 for December 2012. The Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast is sponsored by MailOrderComics.com. They have discounts that start at 38th and they go up to 75% off the cover price of new comics and trades. An example in this episode is on Alpha, number one. The description reads, and I quote, From the pages of Amazing Spider-Man, get ready for the greatest hero who ever existed, unquote. Alright, anyway, the cover price, $2.99. Mail order has it for just a buck eighty-five, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at mailordercomics.com. Alright, time for more Spider History. JR, we're headed back to December 1997. Uh, we had Amazing Spider-Man 429 come out, written by Tom DeFalco and Joe Bennett. title of the story is called The Price. And it has a great-looking John Romita Jr. cover of the Absorbing Man swinging his uh, ball and chain, not his wife, Titana, but actually the real ball and chain <laughs> at the wall. And it has a cameo by Doc Ock and Doc Ock 2, which is a, the female one, right? Absolutely right. All right. What do we got going in this issue? Oh, well, let's see here. Well, if you recall, uh, this is not too... Too, uh, too long after the return of Norman Osborn. And uh, this is, um, Norman was kind of, you know, he's always messing with Peter's mind. So if you recall in Spectacular 250, he trashes Peter's apartment, uh, leaves a little Green Goblin doll behind that says, gotcha. And then Spider-Man bursts into Norman's townhouse and just beats the crap out of him. And Norman films it all and, uh, you know, prom- and uh, shows it to all the media. And then everybody hates Spider-Man. So this is the... Um, this is the the lead off here where Spider-Man's uh, uh, the absorbing man is reading the newspaper story about Spider-Man beating up Norman Osborn and how there's a one million dollar bounty now on Spider-Man's head because everybody's so shocked that he beat up this noted industrialist Norman Osborn. So and I'm thinking, boy, you know what a change 15 years makes. I mean, can you imagine if, you know, for example, this was Spider-Man beating the crap out of Donald Trump, you know, <laughs> or Spider-Man you know, beating up um, uh, somebody from Goldman Sachs or uh, these goofballs that, that that sent countrywide home loans down the shitter and stuff like that, or WAMU. Yep. It's like they'd be giving Spider-Man the million dollars. You know, it's like for beating up these 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 scumbags and criminals and punks or whatever. You know, who wound up sending the American who about drove the American economy off a cliff. So it was oh, just kind of funny. I'm sorry. Yeah, he said, "Oh dear." Yeah. <laughs> 
But, uh, but you know, yeah, but 15 years ago, it was bad to beat up a businessman. So anyway, uh, so Spider-Man's in a, you know, in a lot of trouble. And Mary Jane wants him to lay low for a while and, you know, not dress up as Spider-Man. And, of course, we know how well Peter listens when Mary Jane asks him not to be Spider-Man. You know, yeah, uh, he'll make it, more costumes pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, we know that. Uh, you know, just like he did in the in the right after the reboot and everything, when she says, "Please don't be Spider-Man," you know, Peter decides, "Well, let's see, what's more important to me? You know, dressing up in my jammies or making my wife happy?" And uh, he just he never he never gets the message. But anyway, so oh, anyway, Daredevil's starting to feel a little sorry for Spider-Man, and he says, "You know, he's going through a rough time." And he goes, "I have a hunch that he'd appreciate a little moral support from Daredevil right now." Well, you know, Matt, that's great. Okay, now where were you after the reboot when it looked like Mary Jane had died in a plane crash? Peter got thrown out of the townhouse because he didn't have any money and he was sleeping <laughs> on the streets, you know, and working in restaurants for food. Where were you then, Matt? You know, nowhere to be found. So, uh, it just again, I just, I'm just, uh, and and really, that's the fault of the Mackie and Burn. You know, I mean, the way they handled that whole reboot thing, because it was just, and I and I made the point in one of my uh, long and laborious articles, it's like, you know, Peter goes through this great tragedy, and nobody shows up to help. Felicia doesn't show up. Daredevil doesn't show up. You know, Johnny Storm doesn't show up, even though, well, Johnny didn't know Peter was Spider-Man at the time. Just absolutely... You know, it's it's like, well, you know, we're going to write the story we wait, the way we want to write it, and characterization be damned. But anyway, this story, it's actually a pretty simple one-parter. Uh, the absorbing man and Titania to go decide to go after the million-dollar reward on Spider-Man, and they think they're going to fool people by dressing up in costumes and calling themselves something else. Uh <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and they show up, you know, because Norman's the one who's kind of orchestrating this whole deal. And, and uh, you know, they show up and Norman sh- tells Jonah, look, these guys are going to go after Spider-Man. And after they leave, Norman says, ah, I'm going to have these people arrested. You know, why? Well, come on, it's Absorbing Man in Titania. Can't you tell? <laughs> <laughs> so the Absorbing Man in Titania fights Spider-Man and Daredevil. Uh, Spider-Man makes a lawyer joke, and uh, Daredevil starts channeling Chris and saying, Oh, fine, make with the lawyer jokes. And then Spider-Man calls the Absorbing Man the Susan Lucci of supervillains because he's always a loser. It's fairly standard, and it looks like Titania gets, you know, it looks like she might... Uh, this big explosion might take her out, and the absorbing man goes, Oh, don't worry, doll. I ain't going to let you die. Your crusher is coming to get you. Uh, <laughs> and, but, you know, it all, all's well that ends well. Titania doesn't die. Spider-Man helps save her. Um, the police come and pick up absorbing man and her. And Peter, uh, Spider-Man changes back to, to Peter Parker. Mary Jane is really pissed off and leaves. The end. Uh <laughs> Hey, hey, it was better than Plant Man, all right? (laughs) Plant Man's just eight months away. Nice, uh, nice. It was was okay. It was a typical one-shot, you know. And, and, and you know, it paid attention to some little subplots that are going on, like, you know, Joe Joe Robertson's getting pretty upset with what's going on at the Bugle now that Norman Norman owns half of it, and and, uh, Joe's wife is ragging on him. And, you know, there's, there's a few of those going on, so. Yeah. Also came out this month, Spectacular Spider-Man 252. There was no black costume in this one. J.M.D. Mateus and Mike Diodato 
uh, was the artist Son of the Hunter Part 2. Yes, and, and, and this is what I always, you know, I have to give Brad credit, you know, even though, you know, even though he, you know, he sometimes, you know, calls out to people who aren't there on podcasts, uh, <laughs> like he did with George that one time, uh, and, and sometimes when he tries to get you to spoil something, uh, you know, when he doesn't want to learn any spoilers, but I will give him credit for sometimes... His timing on some of these months he selects is actually pretty good because I think it was just just a, uh, not too long ago we were actually talking about Aloysia Craven because we yeah. were talking about uh, uh, Get Craven and Ron Zimmerman's trust fund baby take on him. Uh, and lo and behold, this month is the, uh, the middle of a three-part story that introduces us to Aloysia. And uh, he's no trust fund baby, however. Uh, in, in the previous issue... Well, you got to, I guess, you got to understand, uh, a story arc previously had Spider-Man taking on the chameleon, and so when Aloysia shows up and confronts Spider-Man, he thinks, Spidey thinks that it's the chameleon being Craven again. Uh, and so, and, and Aloysia basically says, I'm not that pathetic weakling, Dimitri, and unlike my father, I use real bullets. Blam! You know? Nice. So it's like, oh, shit, he shot Spider-Man. Um <laughs> Got him right in the Zoscorn. Yeah, <laughs> but but as we learn in in issue number two fifty two, he only grazes Spider Man, and you know when Spider and, and 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 then when he gets the drop on Spidey and Spidey passes out, Olaysha gives him a, a potion to help recover and says, "Oh, by the way, I I don't I don't have anything against you, Spider Man. I just want to talk to you about my dad." Uh, and it's Man. like you know you could have made that point a little more effectively by showing up with a shotgun and shooting at him. Uh, maybe maybe but, bring a pizza next time. <laughs> and, and, and let's have a talk about dear old dad over some pepperoni. You but know? but that's it. It's like I wanted to talk to you about my dad, but I really wanted to get you all shook up and stuff and and attack <laughs> you because I wanted to see my father through your eyes. Okay, yeah. and remember this: this is GM De Mateus writing this. Okay, yeah. GM De Mateus is a pretty good writer, but man, when he go when he starts getting into the psychological psychological stuff, he goes off the deep end. You know and <laughs> And this is – and Aloysia – this is the thing. Aloysia is the furthest from a trust fund baby. He's more of an animal. You know, it's just he's got this animal rage, and he lived in Africa all his life, and he didn't hardly ever meet any real people, and he's eating human flesh, you know. And, 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 and I can barely control the animal that's inside me. Arr! And, nom nom nom. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that was Cookie Monster. And, that, and that's basically <laughs> it. You know, and then Spider-Man yeah. starts to – you know, of course, instead of getting weirded out by all this – uh, Spider-Man starts to say, well, you know, your dad was kind of an asshole and blah, blah, blah. And, 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 it, and as they're having this heart to heart, then all of a sudden, all these half naked guys attack him, you know, and all of a sudden it's like, whoa. And, and Aloysia goes, I recognize all these half naked guys. They used to work for my dad. And then all, well, Ew, and, gross. Yeah, and, and then all of a sudden they find out who's orchestrating this. And it turns out that the person who's orchestrating all this attack is Calypso. And of course, you know Calypso being, you know Craven's ex-girlfriend, and you know one thing that Calyp and one thing Calypso always brings, besides you know her her boobs and her magic and her chance, she always <laughs> she always brings in the background doom 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 doom, and as you can and as you can see this two-page spread here between pages twenty and twenty-one, you know <laughs> she's doing her dance in the rain and stuff, and you and you see doom 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 doom, and I and I thought. I thought, Todd, you know, it's like, and this is another thing, you know, why does D. Mateus have to copy 
some of the worst aspects of Todd McFarlane, you know, and, you know, so it's just because if you you remember that classic uh, five part tale with the lizard and Calypso, I mean, that was that was always the thing. Doom, doom, doom. Best selling Spider-Man story of all time. I was confused. I thought Calypso was his his mama. I guess not. Well, well, and, well, yeah, you, <laughs> well, you know, if you if you're thinking those edible thoughts, Brad, then I think you need to seek professional help. <laughs> uh, but so anyway, oh, so what Calypso does, you know, is she she captures Aloysia and Spider-Man takes him to Craven's grave, puts him in separate cages, blows a bunch of magic smoke on him, and opens up the cages and sends them against each other to tear each other apart. And so then, of course, you know, and, and of course it resolves itself finally in, in part three, where Craven and Aloysia come to each other, come to their senses, uh, and uh, Spider-Man walks away, and then uh, Aloysia uh, kills all the half-naked men and kills Calypso and laughs maniacally. Uh, wow. So... You know, I, I guess, you know, in all that plot, how did he work in the Gibbon and the Grizzly? Huh? How did he work in the Gibbon and the Grizzly? It says villains that appeared in this story. Well, Gibbon and Grizzly. There, you know, again, <laughs> this is this is just this is the pre the pre reboot era. And there's yeah. kind of like I said, in amazing. There's all kinds of little subplots going on. And one of the subplots is that the Grizzly and the Gibbon have yeah. decided decided to keen, team up and become a superhero tag team squad oh that yeah that's later in this uh, uh yeah. later in the run yeah. of this book yeah but this is this is kind of just the, the the start of it and uh and right. you know and uh so what uh, the gibbon does is because he's so good with cars is he works up he create he 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 rehabs one of the grizzlies old cars and turns it into the bear mobile uh, <laughs> and the grizzly showing the tr- what a true intellect he is figures that since it's a souped up car it's got to have like an aqua um uh, what's he call it? I, I don't have it open right now, but it's got to have an aqua conversion factor. In other words, if he, if he drives it off a pier into the water, it automatically convert into some kind of sub. Well, it doesn't. Uh, <laughs> you know, so again, he, he he never did have a reputation as one well of Spider-Man's most intelligent villains. Um, so anyway, played up as a joke. So yeah, that was uh, that was spectacular. Number two fifty two. Spider, uh, Peter Parker's Spider-Man number 86 came out this month. The Span of Years is the name of the story. Howard Mackey, John Romita Jr. Uh, Jimmy Six is in this one. And the Trapster, pa- Pete, Pastepot Pete, evidently. 15 years ago was also in a Spider-Man book. Yes, yes. In fact, yeah. uh, yes. It, it really, it's called The Span of Years, but really what it should have been called is Paul Stacy is a huge douchebag. Uh, <laughs> I okay. First of all, again, there's been uh, one of the subplots is, you know, Paul. You know, Paul is a like I said, Paul's a huge douchebag. And a few issues ago, he was flirting with joining uh, the Friends of Humanity, which are one of these rabid anti-mutant groups. Well, then he decides not to join them, and then you know, being the uh, you know. Uh, calm people that they are, you know, who take rejection lightly. Uh, they said, you know what? Since he turned us down, uh, we're going to send the shocker to kill him. Uh, so, so issue eighty-five is a shocker coming going after Paul, and so and and then when 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 Spider-Man and the shocker fight, Paul gets Paul slips away, and Spider-Man decides to go look for Paul. So, Paul's a good Stacy. So, where do you think the one place in all of New York that Paul decides to run to? How about that Brooklyn Bridge? The bridge! <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, how does everybody get on this bridge? 
I mean, it's like it's like there's a tram every day I, I, in the Marvel I, universe. <laughs> I mean, honest to God, is there like yeah, exactly? Is there like an elevator that keeps going up to this bridge? Come see where Gwen Stacy died. You know, five dollars. You know, and you know, and, you know, have you, have you and, and, and then like they have these little mannequins or whatever. You know, you throw Gwen Stacy off. The bridge, five dollars. Uh, anyway. <laughs> like a fresh test dummy, Gwen. That's oh. so, funny. So you know, anyway, so so Spider Man thinks that Paul is going to jump, uh, and so they argue a little bit, uh, and then we go to the Jimmy Six plot subplot, which uh, a bunch of guys are attacking Jimmy Six, and they shoot him. Then he disappears for a little bit, and then we go to Mary Jane and Jill, who are bonding. Jill Stacy, the other cousin. You know, and basically, you know, Jill is defending Paul, saying, you know, Paul's a smart guy. He really didn't start being a dick until George, Stacy, and Gwen died. Okay. So. <laughs> that was that one. Yeah. And Arthur stay, and then Arthur gets a mysterious package that he says, oh, my God, slams the door. Then we go back to the Spider-Man shocker fight. Uh, and and then we go back to Jill and, and, and uh, Mary Jane. Then we go back to Jimmy Six. None of this seems mm. to be going anywhere. Um and then, uh, then uh, the shocker pushes Paul off the bridge. Spider-Man saves him. Paul insults him. And then all of a sudden, Pace Pot Pete shows up and spray, sprays a bunch of goop on Paul and, and Spider-Man, and they're stuck together holding hands. Okay. Refresh me with the, the, with the, uh, the family tree. Arthur Stacy is, is George's brother, younger brother. Gotcha. Paul and Jill are who? Paul and Jill are Arthur's children. Who are Gwen's cousins? Cousins, got yes. it. Okay, yes. Gotcha. Uh, and one thing, real quick, when I was watching the Amazing Spider-Man movie, uh, Gwen has a lot of brothers and sisters. Was that ever mentioned in the book? No, I don't. No. I don't think so. No, it, it, it wasn't. But but to be, yeah. Gwen is one of those characters. Actually, her background, I don't think we know that a whole lot about. But uh, sure. Arthur, yeah. if you recall, though, uh, Arthur started out actually as George's older brother, who actually lived in Britain, and yeah. you know who who. And who spoke very proper, proper, proper British, and you know, oh, you know, it's a shame. That, oh, Gwen, it's a shame that the old boy died. Would you like to come and live with us for a while in the Queen's country? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Howard Mackey brought him back as a younger, uh, you know, as, as the the younger brother who uh, believed in conspiracy theories and things of that nature. Right. So, okay, so anyway, now, you know, so Paul and, and and Peter are stuck together, holding hands by the by Pace Pot's Pete's Pace Pot Pete's Paste. <laughs> And the nice, last... nice. What, what's the name of Peter? Oh, say Peter Parker in that whole mess. <laughs> Peter Parker's Pace Pop Pete. Peter Parker, see, Peter Parker <laughs> and Paul are plastered together by Pace Pop Pete's Paste. My man, and, my uh, man. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, and and then the uh, the last page is Jill and, and Mary Jane coming home to Forest Tales saying, hey, Aunt Anna, what's going on? And Aunt Anna says, well, I don't know. Things aren't going too good. I got a big fat gangster with a shotgun wound sitting there uh, who wants to talk to you. And it's Jimmy Six. Uh, and then, you know, the story is to be continued in, in the following issue, uh, which actually sets up more more riddles. Um you know the, the the thing with the shocker and trapster is resolved because basically uh the they're um they're going to try so yeah yeah the this yeah like i said the friend i'm getting lost here the friends of humanity were paying the shocker to kill paul stacy and then the trapster and the shocker had paul and and inspiring they're ready to kill him then they get a phone call from the friends of humanity saying they'll double their fee if they let them live and it turns out that it's actually norman osborne behind all of it so <laughs> did it, did it, did it, did it, did it hit jimmy six jimmy yet. six 
Jimmy Six, have we hit? I mean, no, no. Who was Joey Z? Have we hit that yet? No, Joey Z's not for another few months. Okay, got it. Didn't yeah, we got Jimmy. Uh, we got Jimmy Six, and we got Joey Z. So, my goodness. Yeah. Also came out this month, Sensational Spider-Man, twenty-two. Ah, yes. Uh, the Politics of Magic, writer Todd DeZago, artist Mike Ringo, and um, I guess Spider-Man's teaming up with Doctor Strange in a dark and distant dimension. He's riding a wolf or something. Oh, wow. No, he's okay. riding a snow serpent, I think. Uh, a snow serpent. You've heard of them, right? Uh, yeah, this, oh, yeah. Is, this is a great issue because, you know, Spider-Man works so well uh, in magical and mystical storylines. Um in space and also the Savage Land, as Kevin commented. <laughs> yeah, he get he gets around. So um, was Aunt May. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I don't think Anna gets shot in that. I don't. You know, I don't know. I don't think she does, but I'm not sure. Oh wait a minute. No, yeah, that's right. There's a bunch of goons and jackal tattoos that attack. Oh, that's was it right. Jill or Anna? I don't remember. I think it was Jill that got shot. Okay. Yeah. Was, yeah. I was, yeah. I was, I was like, holy crap. Yeah, see, there's a bunch of goons and jackal tattoos that come by, you know, and it's like, wow, why have they got jackal tattoos? And then, you know, yeah. th- oh, is, is Miles Warren up to something? And, and like in the letters pages, there were like little hints that, you know, maybe the, who said the jackal was dead? Well, uh, you know, this is Howard Mackey. Yeah. Jerry, still there? Uh, whatever. There you are. And there there's... we go. That takes care of that. But anyway. Okay. This story, this again, this is a middle, this, this spectacular, sensational Spider-Man number 22. First of all, this is sensational Spider-Man in name only. Uh, and <laughs> this is the middle of another uh, uh, story. And basically what we had was a corporation called the Technomancer Corporation, uh, which I thought, what the hell is the Technomancer? <laughs> Uh, was it that like sci-fi book written by William Gibson a few years ago? No, that was that was Neuromancer. Uh, is it Talking to the Dead? Uh, no, that's Necromancer. Uh, was it that Tina Turner song back from the 80s? No, that was Private Dancer. So I never figured out what the hell a Technomancer was. But anyway, but they brought back, apparently they were doing some goofy experiment, and they brought in this guy with this, this, this bad costume and these huge pointed ears. You know, it was like either the Mirror Universe Spock after an all-night bender, or it was, you know, it was the Goblin costume as Norman Osborn would have designed it if he had been on acid with the Marvel bullpen back in the 1970s. <laughs> so he calls himself a half dozen names, but the one that sticks with me is the Gremlin Lord. Anyway, so that's kind of the, that that leads into to this issue right here, and and we get a little um, and we get a little um, uh, setup here uh, because I know I don't know if you guys know this, but you know once there was a war of spells, a war of bindings, a war of magic, a war of the seven spheres. Oh yeah, that one. Yeah, and the deity, yeah, that one. and the deities of the Vishanti joined the battle across the endless realms, <laughs> fighting for the purity of their mystic power. God, I'd feel like an idiot writing that down. The war spanned millennia. <laughs> it lasted a nanosecond, and the magic were free. <laughs> okay. Now it's not quite as wow. bad. It's not quite as bad as the uh, Stalker from the Stars, where we are wondering if uh, the lust for power. Uh, like acne and the cockroach was only planted in our own fertile soil. But anyway, <laughs> the acne and the cockroach, random but genius, Jr. Anyway, so so what happens here is Doctor Strange. You know, first of all, his his uh, he's sleeping. You know, he's you know ooh, you know, and um, and then all of a sudden, the eye of Egg Fu Young detects a fish. <laughs> <laughs> detects a fissure. <laughs> 
in the fabric of reality. Now, well, that'll wake you up. Uh, well, I mean, we've never had that before, right? I mean, just like um, Thursday, we, we, you know, just you know, we've never had a fissure in the fabric of reality in a Marvel comic, so this is really new. Um, and then, and then, uh, Doctor Strange gets, uh, you know, he gets jostled awake by his <laughs> manservant, <laughs> Wong. Mr. Wong. You know, oh, Wong, yeah. you know, he, <laughs> he said manservant. <laughs> uh, but, uh, <laughs> uh, I was about to say, I better, uh, I better watch that, any more references, that's gotten me in trouble before. Um, so, what happens then is, uh, you know, Doctor Strange, you know, realizes that, you know, when the I egg Fu Young sees something, this is some really serious shit. So, um, so he, what's that? No, I, I it's friggin' hilarious, Jay. Uh, so anyway, so Doctor Strange is drawn to this mysterious tower, which happens to be the Technomancer Tower. Um, and Spider-Man's drawn to it, too, for some reason he can't explain. And Doctor Strange says, oh, well, you can't see it because it's blanketed in a mystical spell. Here, hocus pocus, you know. And then Doctor Strange removes the spell, and Spidey sees all these demons coming out. Okay, well, Doctor Strange explains, the tower has become a thing of chaos, a point of egress for the cancerous evils of the dark nether realms to spread out into our own unsuspecting reality. Damn. So, okay, you got that, right? Oh, yeah, I, my. Okay. That's a mess. Well, well. see, the thing is, though, the guy, the, the Gremlin Lord, was actually really a nobleman back in the Middle Ages. Oh, really? um, and, you know, he started doing all these mystical spells and made his ears real big and pointed. He spooked the town council. So they exiled him to a dark, deviant, and backwater dimension. Originally, they wanted to send him to Florida. But, you know... <laughs> But it turned out that because he actually knew how to cast a ballot, and you know that he was way too smart for most of the inhabitants of Florida, so he sent him to another dark dimension. No, no hanging chads for the foo young chad. Oh my god, I, I don't think have those people ever figured out how to vote in an election yet. Anyway, I asked you. Nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah. I, hey, I, I, I remember two thousand. Okay, you may uh, that was twelve years ago, and you may have been a kid, but I know. <laughs> I remember, I remember how you had, how that state had the whole nation sitting on the edge of its seat for six weeks because people said, I didn't understand the butterfly ballot. I deserve a revote. Anyway. JR is never moving to Florida or Missouri because he, he yeah. is not a fan of the populace. <laughs> okay. Anyway, in between all of this, Jonah Jameson shows up on reporter Billy Walter's doorstep. Because the exclusive character for Sensational Spider-Man. That's right. He thinks that he thinks that Billy's a good reporter, and he asks Billy to investigate Norman Osborn. Well, actually, it's not made clear yet what he wants Billy to do. But later, we find out he wants to invent. He Jonah wants Billy to investigate Norman to deter, to dig up dirt on Norman. And I'm thinking, Jesus! All you got to do is check Norman's dry cleaning. That's all you got to do, and find out he's up to no good is check his dry cleaning. But anyway. Um, <laughs> But, you know, but as Dan Slott says, you know, this is comics. You know, we should just accept this. Anyway, anyway, back to Doctor Strange and Spidey. Doctor Strange says, by the whores of Hoggoth, you know, and I was thinking, you know, that's his typical. And I was thinking, Jesus, why is he swearing by a bunch of prostitutes that hang out at Harry Potter's school? <laughs> well, they, uh, <laughs> the Harry Hogs of Hoggoth. Yeah, yeah, anyway, oh, that's uh, good. So. And, nice. and, and I'm going to have to cut this off and go to, I mean, I just could keep, I mean, this is only half it. You have the story. Anyway, Dr. Strange <laughs> finds out that they have the sphere of Sarah Koth, 
you know, and I'm thinking, man, what a chick this Sarah Koff must be, you know, I mean, she, anyway. Come with me if you want to live. Anyway, Sarah Koff, the sphere of Sarah Koff is potentially one of the most powerful objects in the known dimensions. So, anyway, so then later on, Spider-Man fights snow serpents, the Gremlin Lord gets a drop on Doctor Strange, and then, you know, it sets up for the confrontation between Spider-Man and the Gremlin Lord in the next issue. And, oh, by the way, the little deaf girl's in this one, too. Oh, that's bad. <laughs> I have no idea what you've been saying that's... for ten minutes. Man. Well, All right, like George, George once said, it's like a drunk uncle telling you a story. I love it. Who wrote that also, uh, issue again? Um, oh, what was his name? Todd DeZago. Todd DeZago, who I actually liked at the time, but haven't read it in 15 years. I like DeZago, yeah. Uh, I, I'm an apologist it, for the guy. As if that wasn't enough Spider-Man for the month, they thought a fifth title with Spidey would sell. Uh, we had uh, Marvel Team-Up Volume 2, Number 4, Spider-Man Tackles His Man-Thing. <laughs> Tom Payer, Josh Hood, this, could you suspended, it was a giant size man thing, no, 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 this was a standard issue, uh, suspended sentence, JR, were you reading this volume on the team up? Well, uh, I got it in the back issue bin later, because, yeah. you know, I pro- I, I, I've always I've always liked Spider-Man, man thing team ups, because of all the witty banner they have between each other, you know, <laughs> uh, and the man thing is such a well-rounded character, too, he's really got a lot of nuances, um, but anyway, actually this story, um, has been set up in prior issues. There's this mysterious villain called the Authority, uh, mm-hmm. who apparently Warren Ellis didn't check uh, when he came up with the name for his super team uh, for Wildstorm. He didn't check and right. see that the name had already been used by some lame villain back years ago, and maybe nobody noticed. But anyway, uh, so the Authority actually the previous three issues of Marvel Team Up Volume Two um, has been sending Spider-Man on a wild goose chase around the world. And and now uh, he's uh, now he's sending Spider-Man to uh, oh actually Spider-Man says let's see here Spider-Man confronts the Sandman who he teamed up with in issue two in Greece and the Spider-Man says who's sending me all over the world on these wild goose chases and Sandman says well being a computer expert that I am here let me look in this computer and I'll come up with a name and he does and it's the Authority okay mm-hmm. so anyway we go to the man thing. Now, the man thing, because he had no character or personality, Steve Gerber, I think it was, decided to give him the title of the Guardian of the Nexus of All Realities. Yep. I don't understand that. Uh, And I never understood it. But it's kind of funny that, you know, because I was originally going to go into this saying, you know, obviously Marvel, when they thought of this character and everything, must have been on, you know, they were doing their their psychedelic drugs in the 70s. Well, if you read... (laughs) that excerpt of Marvel the Untold Story, the one guy in the bullpen who wasn't doing drugs was Steve Gerber. And Man. apparently, he, it, mm. basically it says he came up with this weird crap all on his own. Anyway, mm. but Man. you know what we also have going on here? What's that? We have a destabilizing of the dimensional barriers. Mm. Now, it's not a fissure, it's a fabric of reality. It's a destabilizing of the dimensional barriers. And what's causing this destabilizing of the dimensional barriers, it's causing it to rain all over the world. In this yeah. case, it's the Heroes Reborn universe colliding with our with the Marvel universe. Uh, and wow. we'll actually going to touch on Heroes Reborn later. But anyway, that's what's happening now. And what has happened, There's two. what's happened is this old postman is going around setting people on fire. Okay. 
because what has happened is the destabilizing of the dimensional barriers combined with the Norn stones falling from Asgard to Earth have reconstructed the Man-Thing after he was disincorporated uh, in Heroes Reborn the Return and has scrambled his persona with that of a fellow Stormbearer, which is the mail carrier. Okay, So the mail carrier... Whenever he walks around and meets people, he senses their fear, and they spontaneously combust. Damn. You got that? You got that? <laughs> I guess so. That's a, that's a long way to go. Anyway, so Spider-Man finds the authority. But then the authority says, aha, you can't fight, you can't deal with me, because you have to go off after the Man-Thing. Because the Man-Thing can then make people spontaneously combust. And since everybody know, everybody out there has fear, he can make millions of people go up in flames. Oh, boy. Mercy. Spider-Man. Man. Spider-Man says, oh, man, i got to go after the Man-Thing. And he, he has the perfect way to do it because the Man-Thing, you know, senses all this fear. Okay, so Spider-Man is going to counterbalance that. Spider-Man touches him and infuses him with good feelings. <laughs> I'm not making this up. Wow. Kind of like the power of love with Aunt May on her deathbed. Or, or, or whatever that was that they used in Maximum. Remember what they used in Maximum Carnage to make everybody feel better? I everybody was going crazy in New York or whatever. And then they shot ray, ray, ray beams of goodness at people. And that Lord. Anyway, so Spider-Man touches the man thing and fills <laughs> it with good feelings. So then Ouch. man thing passes. so dirty. Then the, then, <laughs> then the man thing passes a stone. Uh, which, which I guess would, you know, I mean, if I had to pass a stone, that would make me pretty irritable, too, I suppose. Uh, yeah. But anyway, the man thing <laughs> passes this glowing stone. Spider-Man, but, Spider but then when Spider-Man touches it, he feels overwhelmed with all this knowledge, and he passes out. Oh, my. And then the authority gets pissed off because the stone disappears, and he says... Spider-Man, you owe me. Now it's time for the task I've been preparing you for, whether you want to or not. The end. Okay. Mm. Now, actually, this isn't – who is the authority? Well, we find out in issue five because Spider-Man goes to find the globe of ultimate knowledge, which is different than the sphere of Sarah Kath, I suppose. But we <laughs> find out – here's the authority's origin. He was a kid who grew up to be an FBI agent who didn't realize his father was a notorious drug lord. And one of his missions was to blow up a drug lord, who he then found out was his own father. And since he didn't know that, he swore an oath to not know again. And from then on, he would know everything. So he became the authority. Damn. This is compelling shit. <laughs> <laughs> What's a twist? Wow, that's awful, JR. That's really bad. That's why this book was canceled after 10. Issues. That's really bad. That However, above the title Marvel Team-Up, it says the world's greatest comics. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Also came out this month, one of my favorite Deadpool issues of all time. Deadpool number 11, written by Joe Kelly and Pete Woods on art. Uh, Deadpool travels back to Amazing Spider-Man 47 and interacts with a 60s Spider-Man. This is a great issue. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I it it is it is it's humorous. It's uh, yeah. I read it. I kind of read it afterwards. It's not quite as funny as I seem to remember people talking about. But but basically, what happens is, and, and I can't explain. Basically, Deadpool and some old blind guy, you know, get hurled through some dimensional portal. That's a woman. I'm sorry, <laughs> that's a woman, blind owl. Oh, it, you know, <laughs> that's a a woman called blind owl. 
Yeah. I, anyway. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? I thought it was an old guy, but anyway. Uh, it, or, or maybe, I don't know, maybe it's what Boy George would look like when he gets old or something. Mm. You know, he's a hermit. There's a nice thought. <laughs> Androgynous or something. So anyway, but what happens in is, is Deadpool becomes Peter Parker. What he does... <laughs> He's, he calls Peter Parker up and says, hey, Peter, there's all kinds of crazy shit going on somewhere else. You've got to go take pictures of it. <laughs> so Peter, Peter leaves town. You know, and then Deadpool becomes Peter Parker uh, because Deadpool is trying to meet this. And, and, Brad, I mean, you guys know this story better than me, I think, because I've just kind of peripherally skimmed it. Oh, dude, I haven't read it since 97. There, there, so. but there's this other nerd guy who apparently in the who Deadpool knows in the future who Weasel. is going to build Weasel. this wacky time device. And Deadpool has to get him to get the time device working in the 1960s to send him back. But he won't do it. So Deadpool's got to, I guess, get him drunk or something. So <laughs> anyway, so Peter, so Deadpool becomes Peter. And all during this time, you know, Deadpool is insulting Harry Osborn's hair, which gets us back to Harry being bald. You know, I guess he took all of Deadpool's insults seriously. So Deadpool spends the entire issue uh, insulting Harry's hair uh, and, try, and, and trying to get this nerd to where he eventually gets drunk. Well, anyway, the old blind androgynous guy knocks Aunt May out and takes her place. And then Mary Jane comes calling. And both Blind Al and, and uh, Deadpool say that Mary Jane is as dumb as a post. Uh, <laughs> so, and then uh, Deadpool Deadpool tries to, I guess he he, he gets uh, this other nerd to try to make some moves on Gwen Stacy. Uh, Gwen refu- uh, rebuffs him, and then the apparently this guy and Peter are in competition for a job at Oscorp. Uh, and Norman, and this is the time that like Craven is involved, and he he tries to kidnap Norman because he thinks Norman's working for the Goblin, and the Goblin's dead, and the Goblin owns Craven money. Uh, in blue, then. Yeah. And 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 then, but once Norman is saved, uh, Deadpool then says, "Well, you know that that nerd who's in competition with Peter Parker? Yeah, he's on drugs. You don't want to hire him." Uh, <laughs> So, so the, so which is kind of a funny moment where where Norman says, you know, son, you know, don't darken my doorways until you solve your own problems, which is a kind of funny thing for Norman to say. So yeah. anyway, so this guy's so bummed out he gets drunk, fixes the time machine, and Daredevil and old blind Al guy go back into the. Wow. It makes no sense, but it is rather humorous. It's pretty funny. Uh, real quick, two more books came out as if the 90s weren't putting out enough. We were in bankruptcy at this point, so we were throwing anything up against the wall. Both uh, and creative. Of, holy God. No doubt. <laughs> Heroes Reborn, The Return, actually written by Peter David. If I remember correctly, it wasn't that bad. Salvador La Roca. Four issues came out Have you uh, at once. Access? Have I what? Unlimited Access. Yeah, we're gonna. That's the last. Oh, one that's the last one. Okay, I'm looking at it. Oh, okay. We probably got a different Sam Ruby page. Okay, now here, here is. You guys are gonna have to help me because I did not read any of that Heroes Reborn stuff. But basically, what happened was in the late <laughs> 1990s, Marvel came up with a brilliant idea of outsourcing some of their characters to the Image guys. You know, yeah. and the Image guys came up with all kinds of weird ass. You know, alternative. Well, basically, what happened was it was the onslaught crisis. They, they yep. apparently had the Fantastic Four and, and the Avengers and other heroes appear to die. But really, what they did was they went into this pocket universe created by Franklin Richards, 
and they all had revised up-to-date origins where Tony Stark and Bruce Banner and Reed Richards uh, all knew each other. They were all called the Knights of the Atomic Roundtable. Ben Grimm fought in the Persian Gulf War. The Fantastic Four's spaceflight was subsidized by the storms, which is why they went on the spaceflight with him, and all kinds of other crazy shit, which didn't make it, you know. And and Rob Liefeld drove Captain America with big boobs. Uh, <laughs> and and an, uh, a fly, what was it, an eagle on his head instead of an A? I oh, yeah, I know. I'm trying to speed these up. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> I've been trying to speed these up the whole time. Uh, well, Marvel anyway, so, just keeps putting them out. I think they're still putting out December. Oh, anyway, Heroes Reborn. All right. So, yeah. and, and so Heroes Reborn was what it was called, and then Heroes Return is when they came back into the regular Marvel Universe. So, I, And I did not read these. So, Yeah. Uh, last one, DC. We just came off of the Marvel uh, DC team up, yeah, yeah. and uh, they together they created uh, a character named Access, where Marvel owns half, DC owns half, right? This was a miniseries co-produced, right? Uh, yeah, this was back when uh, DC and Marvel were actually talking to each other. Yeah. But before Joe Caseta, you know, decided to, you know, decided to call DC Comics AOL Comics, thinking he was really funny, uh, and uh, <laughs> you know, and then and then DC said, well, you know, shit, we ain't going to do anything with you until that asshole gets fired. Uh, <laughs> and, we're, and 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 you're you're, you're paraphrasing, I think, <laughs> or not? Well, is, is, didn't people keep saying, you know, they were asking Bendis, why don't we do a dare? Why isn't there a Daredevil Batman yeah. up? And basically, DC won't work with. Or Levitz or whatever won't work with Marvel. Kisada, yeah. Big one, anyway, so Access, you know, is Access is the character who's able to bridge the gap between the DC and the Marvel universes. And what's been happening is, I think, just before this story, we had the Batman and Spider-Man team up, which was a uh, story itself. And basically, is is the Marvel and DC heroes keep interacting through these, you know, mysterious time gaps or whatever. The early part of the story is the Wonder Woman comes into the uh, Marvel Universe and and Spider-Man tries to flirt with her until Mary Jane catches him. Uh, And then later, later, uh, Green Lantern and Green Hulk, I mean, Green Lantern and the Hulk and Kermit the Frog, because they're all green, get together for an adventure. It's not that easy. And and then later, later Access goes back in the Old West and uh, meets up with Jonah Hex. And there's all kinds of stuff going on, and uh, I, I have no idea, but you know that's that, that was that was kind of the gist of unlimited access. Yeah, good month, bad month, average month. Oh God, you know it was the '90s. You know it was. Upset <laughs> on that. It was the '90s. You know, not as bad as some months, but it was. You know, it, it, it was it was Mar- like Marvel. You know, Marvel throwing everything against the wall, seeing if it would stick. And we'll wrap this show up right about there. Before I go, I want to give another shout-out to our sponsor, MailOrderComics.com. Another example of their great prices is on Morbius, number two. The description reads that the midnight sun is on the run, and there's a new threat that arises, and they want Morbius dead. The cover price is $2.99. Mail order has it for just a buck eighty-five, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at MailOrderComics.com. Thanks for listening, gang. I'm your host and webmaster, Brad Douglas, for the SpiderManCrawlspace.com.